Now, just bear with me. Um, just um, before Christmas, the, leader, the leadership, we had a meeting, and, uh, and Sam, shortly before that, uh, contacted me and said, uh, Tony, you know, just before the leaders' meeting, if there's something upon your heart, just, just share for one, two minutes what is upon your heart. And in actual fact, um, as I just waited on God, uh, he gave me a scripture, just part of a scripture in actual fact, uh, and I shared it with the team. Uh, but as days have gone by, um, and um, I'm planning uh, to preach this morning, that scripture became alive more and more and started to just grow in my spirit. Uh, and I felt, yeah, this is, this is the word for the church this morning. This is what I want to share um, with you uh, this morning. And so I've, I've entitled uh, the message this morning, The Sun is Rising on a New Day. The Sun is Rising on a New Day. We're into not just a new year, are we? But we're into a new decade another a, a, a new 10 years 10 years of, of of seeing and seeking and believing for God to move in our midst hallelujah now i'm going to i'm, I'm going to read the scriptures in a moment but just going to throw this up because i don't know how many of you like sun sunrises yeah Yeah, Sunri I love sunrises. Now that basically is because I'm a morning person. Now, Kay likes sunsets. How many sunrises have we got here? Sun yeah, yeah. So all the morning people will be people who just love the sunrise and, uh, and all those who are still awake after nine o'clock at night. I mean, the only time that I really get into sunsets is when it's winter. You can smile, yeah, yeah, okay. But anyway, so sunrise, there's something about a sunrise that I think is so beautiful. And probably more than anything, the reason is because it's going to get brighter and brighter and brighter as the sunrise. There's going to be more light. There's going to be more light. The problem with sunsets is, you know, it's going to get darker. So, that, so I want to talk about the sun is rising on a new day. Just, to give, just so that you know, and really you can't tell the difference between a sunrise and a sunset. This is a sunset. Yeah, we've got these lights on, so you'll have to excuse me. You probably won't be able to see that so well. Okay, let's, uh, let's turn to Genesis chapter 30 and verse 22. Genesis 30 and verse 22. Can everybody see that okay? We're okay with that? It says, And Jacob arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, his eleven sons, and crossed over the fort, ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Stay with me, verse 25. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, 
he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go. This is the angel um, of the Lord. Let me go for the day breaks. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face. And my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him. And he limped on his hip. Really, that's just giving you something of the background. But the verse that just jumped out of me, and I believe for me and for you, church, is that the sun rose on him. The sun rose upon Jacob. You know, as we come into a new year, I believe, there is, I believe God has some significance for particular dates and times within the year. Although God is out of time, he knows, he knows us as human beings that we associate so much with time. We, we, put, uh, you know, we put memories into time. We identify specific dates because they help us. And so God knows that. And so I don't, you know, it's not, a, it's not a coincidence that God says, right, on this first Sunday of a new decade, I want you to talk and encourage the church that the sun is rising. Hallelujah. Anybody say amen to that? Yeah, the sun is rising. There, a new day is dawning, church. A new day is dawning. Praise God. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, I just pray that you will speak into our hearts this morning as we've been encouraged by Pastor Nathan this morning, Lord. There's something of a transaction that takes place when you speak to us, when you seek to speak to us. The one Lord you are speaking, but the other Lord that we need to open our ears to Lord, in our hearts, to what, Lord, you want to say to us. And I ask you, Lord, I ask you that you will take this poor servant, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that you will plant your words in my mouth, Lord, and for your church, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Just bear with me. I was thinking about this new day. And it just, I just wanted to start off with giving you something of an illustration uh, that may just help you to fasten certain truths on. But, uh, and some of it's humorous, as you might imagine. 
How many of you, and I don't think there's going to be many of you, how many of you, when you were at school, when you first um, started to use pen and ink, yeah, can, you, can you remember that? Those first days when you started to use pen and ink. I don't mean a biro. Right, I don't mean a biro. They had been invented, by the way. But how many of you can remember, when I, when I was at junior school, the first pens that we got was basically, um, it was a stick, a piece of dowling. Yeah, can you remember that? Oh, making me feel a whole lot better. Right, piece. And then, and then the teacher would give you a brand new nib to put on the end of the stick. How many can remember those days? Oh, yeah, Alec, thank you. Yeah, I feel good now. Anyway, so you were given this, and of course, you know, you then had to have a pot of ink, which in those days were, would be in the, in the desk itself. And if you were really well behaved, you got to be the ink monitor. Uh, how many ink monitors have we got here? Uh, uh, not many, not many. Obviously, we weren't really that good, were we? But anyway, so you've got to be the ink monitor. Well, I can remember, I don't know what the reason was, but I ended up, not as the ink monitor, but I ended up on the front row. Uh, so my desk was right at the front, uh, probably because the teacher needed to keep an eye on me, I think. But anyway, anyway, um, we were getting ready. Uh, for lesson. Now, we had a particular lesson in the junior school where they were teaching you how to write correctly. I had a problem because I got two brothers, who, two older brothers, who went to the same school before me, and they were brilliant at writing. And then I went along. So I really got a lot of stick, and not just the pen. You know, I got a lot of stick from them because... They, they were just had this beautiful scroll and, and scribes. And then I went along and there were blots all over the place. But anyway, as I got better, we were given, we were given a, a beautiful book that we could write in. Uh, and the problem was we had to copy this all from the blackboards. We didn't have slate in those days. We passed on from that. So we, so, so we, we copied all the, the poetry. Uh, we had poetry. I can, you know, we, some of the... You know, Pied Piper of Amblin and all this sort of stuff. You've, you've done it. The point is, I was, really, I was really doing well with this new book. My writing, uh, my illustrations, I was really taking my time with them. I was so pleased with them. And then this particular day, the ink monitor came round. I got all my books. You know, you had those that lift up, yeah? I got all my books in the desk and the ink monitor came along and overfilled it. And the ink went right down the joint of the inch right onto my books. My best books. Oh, and the teacher was just, the teacher was broken hearted, I think. You know, so, so it wasn't my fault. For once, it wasn't my fault. My book, my books, my beautiful writing book was spoiled, ink all over it. 
the teacher did something really unusual. She never did this. You've got you to think, you know, this is, like, this is like, you know, before 1960. The teacher didn't do this very often. She came along and she gave me a brand new book. Wow. She said, it's not your fault, Tony. It's not your fault that your book's been spoiled. I'm going to give you a brand new book and you can start all over again. Can I say, church, this morning, God wants to do something new in each one of our hearts and lives today. He wants to start something new and beautiful in each one of our lives. Can I say, there's no exceptions to this. Whatever your age is, whatever age, whatever your background is, God, I believe, is intent on doing something new in each one of our lives. And so I want to look at this man, Jacob. I've just got a few Eddins uh, that I want to share with you. And, you know, they may not all apply to you, but I believe that there is something that can feed and encourage each one of our lives this morning. So I want to see, first of all, that Jacob was a man alone. Right? He sent, he sent his, his wives, he sent his, chil his children, uh, he sent his servants, he sent the people who were looking after um, all the animals, he sent them all ahead of him. And Jacob was a man alone at this brook, the brook Jabbok, when he met with God. Church, there are going to be times in our lives when we need to be alone with God. There's going to be times in our lives when what God wants to do in our lives, in our spirits, in our character, when he wants to speak into our lives, when he wants to bring a word of faith or confirmation, those times are going to be when we're alone. When it's just you and him. When it's just me and him. When we get there. And I'm not talking, I'm not talking about... Just our time of prayer. I'm not talking about our communion with him. I'm talking about, uh, about tame times, moments of absolute transformation and change that God wants to impart into all of our lives. He was a man alone. I'm going to go through these quite quickly, but he was a new man. Right? to talk about some of, some of the new experiences and, and the newness that came into Jacob's life. The first I want to say is he became, at Jabbok, a new man. A new man. He was no longer the man that was running away. Now, if you, if you look at the, if you look at the um, life story of Jacob, you will find that he was a man 
that had constantly run away. He, 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 he ran away initially from, uh, from his brother. He ran away from his brother um, because basically he had, he had received the birthright. He had received the blessing. His brother had said, look, I'm going to get, you know, I'm, when my father has died, um, I am going to take my vengeance upon Jacob and I will kill him. So he was running away. But now, now he is a new man and he's no longer running away. He is running too. He is running to the purposes that God has for his life. Sometimes, sometimes we can run away. Not because of what we have done. Yeah, in Jacob's case, yeah, um, he had taken the birthright, he had taken the blessing, and can I say, that's a whole new story, really. Um, I don't believe that he robbed Esau of that. I believe it was God's purpose that Jacob had the birthright and the blessing. But that's a that's whole new, new message. But it, yeah, he was running away initially because of something that he had done. But also, sometimes we run away because of what other people have done. Sometimes we run away like, like Jacob now because of how he'd been treated by Laban. Wasn't, you know, it wasn't his fault that he was running away. Sometimes we run away because of what other people have done. Just like, can I take you back to that, that beautiful handwritten book? It wasn't my fault that I needed a new book. Somebody else spilt the ink. Sometimes people, people spill ink, if you like, on our lives that leaves a stain, that leaves a memory, that leaves a hurt. And we feel we've got to run away. But he was a new man now, and it was time for him not to be running away. He'd been, he'd been cheated. Now, can I say, so often people refer to Jacob as the cheat. In actual fact, Jacob at Laban's hand had been cheated. Yeah. Look, guys, if you're going to work for seven years for a wife, you want the right wife, don't you? Yeah. Can you imagine? He'd worked for seven years because he was in love with Rachel. And, um, you know, and when she was presented to him, when he thought she'd been presented to him, he woke up the next morning and it wasn't Rachel. Look, can you imagine, guys, just for a moment, waking up on your honeymoon and finding that you were with your sister, your wife, the woman that you loved. It was her sister. You can smile. Yeah. 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 Can you imagine it? Dave. Julie's sister. Instead of Julie. No, don't. Oh, 
So, so what does he do? He says, I'll work another seven years for the woman that I love. So he'd been cheated. Ten times, the Bible says, ten times Laban changed his wages. Yeah, he'd had a raw deal. But it was time to stop running away. You know, sometimes our lives can be defined not because of what we've done, but because of what other people have done to us. Is that something that's speaking into somebody this morning? No, it's not what I did. It's something that somebody else did. And it, it seeks to define our lives. Can I say, church, can I say individual, whoever it is for this morning, you don't have to allow what other people have done in your life to define you. It's time for a new, a new man. He was a new realization, a new encounter. He was a man who now at Jabbok met with God. He met with God. Jacob had, Jacob had met with God before. He, he had, when he was escaping his brother's wrath, he stopped on what would be Mount Moriah. And, uh, and, and he, he, he laid out there to get some rest before going further um, to Laban. When he was there, God came to him, didn't he? God gave him. God gave him visions there in the night. God showed him ladder and, and, and angels ascending and descending until he woke up the next morning. Wow, what an encounter with God. What an encounter. He said, in fact, Lord, I'm going to call this place Bethel because I've met with God. I have met with God. This is the very house of God. You know, I know, I know church, many of you have had encounters with God. Perhaps all of you have had encounters with God. Remember encounters when we didn't know him and we submitted our lives to him and he changed those lives. Hallelujah. He poured in oil and wine into wounds and, and hurts that were in our lives. Church, church, I want to say to you this morning, there is a new encounter available for us. There's a new encounter where we can meet with God again. God wants to meet with us again and again and again. There's a new name. Oh, I love this. A new name. Jake was no longer going to be called Jacob. God was going to give him a new name new name he was called Jacob because if you read the story there in Genesis where at, at his birth and might I say God was already speaking 
about and into the life of Jacob. Even before he was born, God was saying to his mother, look, there are, you, you know, you're bearing two children and uh, the older will serve the younger. Why? Because, because God had chosen Jacob, even from his mother's womb. Do you know, some of you, I believe God has chosen you from your mother's womb. To do something wonderful and glorious in his day. So he was called, he was called Jacob because he had taken hold of Esau uh, heel during birth. But I can't find anywhere. And because of that, they called him a cheat. They called him a cheat. I can't find anywhere where God calls him a cheat. You don't find God calling Jacob a cheat. You find God saying, you know, what he's going to make of him. Who he's going to be. Sometimes, sometimes we get labeled with names. And they stick to us like glue. We get labeled with names and if we're not careful, they, they define our destiny. They define who we, who we are. We get labeled with names, either because of how big we are or how small we are, um, uh, whether we're married, whether we're unmarried, whether we're male, whether we're female. Um, we get labeled with names. Um, if, we, you know, if we passed our 11 plus or if we didn't pass our 11 plus, uh, whether we went to grammar school or whether we went... All, all manner of things. It's just so easy to get labeled with names. Can I say, God said to him, I'm giving you a new name. You're not going to be called Jacob anymore. You're going to be called Israel. A prince. Hallelujah. A prince with God. Have people tried to label you? Have people labeled you? Have they, have they given you names that have hurt you? Whether it goes right back into school or whether it goes through your work life or otherwise. Have people given you names that have hurt you? I want to, re I want to remind you and encourage you as to what God speaks over your life. These are the sort of things. He says you're faithful. He says you're loved. He says, these are the names. These are the, the sort of names, friends, you need to take this morning back. He says you're the apple of his eye. He says you're redeemed. I have purchased you with my own blood. He says you're a child of God. You're fruitful. Oh, we could go on. Church, don't allow, don't allow the names that man or mankind have sought to label you with. Will you look at this word this morning? Look at the word of God. See what he has named you. See what he has named you. 
I want to see that God gave him as he walked away from Peniel a new nature. A new nature. Jacob, prior to Peniel, fought so much in his own strength. He fought in his own ability. He used his own prowess and skill along some, yes, sometimes with others to obtain his birthright and blessing. You just read it. We haven't got time this morning, but read it. Uh, read about Jacob and, and how in his prowess he obtained the birthright and blessing. A birthright and blessing that were his anyway. And can I say, he didn't need to go down those, those roads. Because when God has spoken over us, friends, we do not need to use our own strength and ability to accomplish what God has already spoken into our lives. At the brook that he named Peniel, he was now alone. There was no pastor. There was no parent. There was no spouse. There was no possession. He'd sent them all, all ahead. It was now time to rely on God. It's just him and God, as we said right earlier. It was time for the surrender of his will to the will of God. To walk as a prince. Time Time, church, for us to rise up and to walk in the truth of what God has named us as sons and daughters of the living God. The sun is rising. Time, Martin Luther said this, time to transform dark yesterdays into bright tomorrows. That's what the sun rises. Does in that? I'm going to say that again, church. Will you just, will you, you know, write it down or allow the Holy Spirit to plant it on your time, time to transform dark yesterdays. Have you got a dark yesterday? Yeah. I guess in some way all of us have. For some people, it may be something very recent. It's time to transform dark yesterdays into bright tomorrows. There's a time for a new beginning. From Peniel, it was time for a new beginning. What happened with Jacob is this. From Peniel, he walked right into the promises of God for his life. And from Peniel, from Peniel, it was identified in the very line of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Oh. <laughs> what a new beginning, eh? Yeah, Abraham, Isaac. Israel. From Israel, from Israel would come forward 
12, 12 children who would be the very tribes of the children of Israel. And out of, out of all those, out of those, would come forth the very Christ of God. Oh, what a new beginning. What a new beginning. It's time for a new beginning, church. God wants to. God is a master at new beginnings. He's a master at new beginnings. Sun is rising. The dawn of a new day. A new year. New opportunities. A new decade. New blessings. New purpose. New strength. All it all God says is, just believe me for it. Believe me for it. Don't let's be, don't let's be one of the one of the twenty percent when the when the spies went into Israel, when the spies went into the promised land, and and you know that only only sorry don't let's be one of the eighty percent. Let's be one of the twenty percent. Just two out of those ten believed. Believe. Let's be. Let's. Set our spirits and our hearts this morning. I'm going to be one of those two. I'm going to be one of those who believe what God is presenting to me this morning. Scripture came to me to close with. It's nothing to do with the life of Jacob. Although it has perhaps everything to do with the life of Jacob. Because what happened to Jacob led right in. To what I'm going, to, the scripture I'm going to use. It's a scripture from Zechariah. Uh, we haven't got it. Oh, I think we have got it up actually. From Zechariah, and chapter eight, verse twenty to twenty-three. I believe, church, and you know I don't say this very often. I believe this is a prophetic word for this church at this time. Many people. And the inhabitants of many cities will yet come. And the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, Let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going, and many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty and to entreat him. In those days, ten people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, Let us go with you, because we have heard that God is with you. The book of Zechariah is a prophetic exhortation to God's people. Many of them were still in Babylon. Many of them were serving as slaves to their conquerors. While others, just a few, just a remnant, were in Jerusalem by divine appointment to complete the building of the temple. And Zechariah is prophesying a new day. He is prophesying of the dawning of a new day. I believe God sends his word to us 
God sends his word to us this morning because we can believe it's his desire. It is his purpose for a new day. J28. Don't look. Just write this down. Don't look at the now as though it were permanent. You get that? Don't look at how things are now as though they were permanent. God is doing a new thing. I'm going to read that. I'm going to read that verse again. And you know, listen. I'm not a. I'm not a heretic. I'm going to take some of the words out uh, of, of Zechariah. But please don't. You know, don't all rush on me uh, as though I'm doing something dreadful. I'm taking them out because you see what what God was doing in Zechariah's time. He wants to do in our time. I'm going to read it this way. Zechariah 8, verse 20 to 23, J28. Many people and inhabitants of many cities will yet come. And the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. And many peoples and powerful nations will come to seek the Lord Almighty and to entreat him. I believe, friends, God wants to open the floodgates to J28. Don't look at the now as though it were permanent. Allow God to open the eye of faith. Many peoples, powerful nations will come to seek the Lord Almighty and to entreat him. In those days... Ten people from language of the nations will take firm hold of one by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. People were drawn to the disciples. Why? Because they knew that they had been with Jesus. Because they knew that they had been in the presence of of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So what do we do about it? What is the conclusion, I believe, of God's word to each and every one of us this morning? Well, I want to leave you with this. Because God always looks, for, looks to impart something to us, to encourage us of the newness that he's wanting to do amongst us. As he seeks to add and build his church. But there is, there is, I'm coming back to what Nathan says. There is a transaction that takes place. There's a part that is our responsibility as well. This is what I want you to, to consider, church. Will you go home and pray? And ask God to give you the names of ten people. Who you can pray for. Ten people who you will pray for. And seek God. That he might add them. To the kingdom of God. That he might. He might save their souls. That he might transform their lives. That they, they might be added. As children of the living God. Ten people. Ten. Go home. Go home. And, and just in your quiet time.
in times when you're walking around, when you're in the business of life, whether, it, whether, whether it's in the garage, whether it's on, on, on your post, uh, post round, whether it's in, in your office, whatever, just open your heart to God and say, God, God, who do you want me to believe for? It may be a neighbor. It may, be, it may be a friend who you've been friends with from school time. It may, be, it, it may be a family member. It may even be a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter. But as God drops those names into your heart, write them down. Write them down and begin from the first that he drops into your heart to pray for them. And then... Church, bring them to your connect group and pray for them in your connect group. Bring them. Bring them to the, uh, the times of corporate prayer. And let's pray intentionally for these 10 people that are upon your heart. And you may not be able to get to the prayer meeting, to the, to the, to, to the, the, uh, the, the corporate prayer, the connect prayer that we have here once a month. You may not be able to get to that, but, but join with somebody else and, and begin to pray for those ten people. One day, they will, like Zechariah, that word in Zechariah, they will take your hand and say, I'm coming with you. To the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus. Lord, you see each and every one of our hearts this morning. You see, Lord, those who already upon our heart. You see the lives of men and women who you died for, who we love. Perhaps there are people that you have not brought across our path yet, and they may be one of those ten. I just pray for your church this morning. And for this next decade, for this next year, for this next week, for each one of us, Lord. That, Lord, we might walk into the newness, this new day, as the sun is rising. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.